Well, if we've learned anything over the years, it's that if you're not using Google's developer tool chain and platform, uh, you're just losing out on awesomeness. I think, I think, I think maybe what the next time that we, uh, we, I mean, I should probably be careful because who knows, maybe I'll be working there in like 30 to 60 days if, uh, if necessary, but like, it seems like what Google needs to do is stop like fucking around and just open source its internal tool chain and platform. Now, one could say that this is some sort of differentiating advantage that they have, but like, no, because it seems like like any anyone who has ever worked at Google, they're just like, oh, my God, the tool chain in here is so awesome. And, mm-hmm. and then the odd thing is you hear about uh, I mean, I don't actually like know the tool chain. I mean, as, as I'm fond of saying, since 2005, I haven't programmed. I, I can align stuff in PowerPoint perfectly. You know, you do the thing. That's a skill. Let me let me just as as a slight digression. Now, maybe I'm going to ask Brandon this. Maybe Matt, you have some opinion. But if you have a two by three grid of of images, Brandon, on a slide, yeah, do you align uh, vertically first or horizontal first? You know, you're going to want to align them all perfectly. Uh huh. And uh, and I would which probably, which way are you going to go? Are they all the same size? Yeah, let's say let's say you're doing the 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 NASCAR look at the logos of customers that we have slide right, and so they're all they're all squares. Could be transparent. I don't know. I would probably lay them out horizontally and get them all, yeah. and then and then from there I'd I'd kind of figure out what kind of vertical uh-huh. um, look I want. Like kind of my am I like a two thirds, a halfway? Like how am I trying to like you know? Oh, oh, oh I, I'm I'm just saying it, like let's say you've got a two by three, right? Like uh-huh, here's yeah. what I, here's what I would do is I am going to lay them out roughly three on top, three on bottom. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to uh, align middle each column, each of yeah. the three columns, right? Yep. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to go in and then I'm going to align, uh, I'm going to align the, the two, the two. Um, what am I going to do? I'm going to do the next layer. <laughs> what are you two doing? Rows, two columns. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, because you want them perfectly aligned. And then, and then you might even have two, a nested group and a big group there. I don't yeah. know, but you know. So anyway, so that's the kind of stuff that I work on. But it seems like, it seems like also when I hear about uh, the Google tools and the platform, it breaks every single rule that you learned about programming and definitely about enterprise sales. Number one rule is lock-in. Apparently lock-in is terrible and bad, but it seems like if you build your own custom tool chain and your own custom stack, like you're allowed to lock yourself into yourself. Yeah. You've, you've not only, you've not only, <laughs> you've not only locked yourself into yourself, but you're also writing your own tools, which yeah. is also like, like just completely your own tools based on like non-proprietary technology that's not open source. Now, despite this, it seems like they're doing uh, great. Now, of course, what I'm alluding to is I think there was there was uh, is it Steve Yeager? He was yeah. he has a, a good complaint that uh, GitHub is awful, and uh, and that you know it's it's better to have the uh, the tool chain that's in Google or the one that they're trying to replicate uh, at at a startup, which is fine. You know, I, I respect marketing. But I think the thing I think is really interesting about his latest rant. One, I'm always up for a rant where someone thinks Git is awful because I just that just aligns with my thinking. So 100 mm-hmm. percent confirmation bias, even though I know everyone uses it quite a bit. But like so he was doing that rant. But he, the part he kind of got off on that was interesting was to your point, like all the dev tools at Google are awesome. But then he actually went on to say some stuff about specifically around how easy it is to navigate a very large code base there. So that was sort of like benefit. He was saying that like, you know, they have this massive code base, but you can navigate it very, very quickly. And, you know, at least according to him, that's what allows um, 
than to kind of scale and to keep doing things is that you can like, if you will, on ramp on to the Google code base very, very quickly and learn it by, because they have these great tools. And so my, one of my thoughts was, was just sort of like, cause there's often this things like, wow, Google has a lot of people. What are they doing? Right. I think you kind of hear that mm. sometimes, but it's sort of like, if you do hire, especially a lot of computer science, like PhD, like kind of people, and you kind of turn them loose on lots of different kind of tooling questions uh, because you have such a high profit margin and other businesses, it does seem like you come out with world-class tools and that's fine in your business. Cause you're so profitable. Like to your point, you, to your uh, original point, Kote, it's like, it's totally fine to be locked in, right? It's like you have the money, the time, and you have the experts so that it's actually not, it's almost like you don't even want to call it lock-in. It's like, you're building exactly what you need. You can afford it. And like, why wouldn't you just keep doing this forever? which seems to be kind of where they're at. Now, well, now th- exactly. And, and I want to I chase this, this, uh, this uh, rabbit or headless robot dog, as the case may be, a little, a little bit further. And it seems like, now I don't know how manufacturing works, but it seems like to me that your manufacturing process, like down to the factory floor, there are several instances where it's probably highly proprietary and that manufacturing process is part of, of your business. Like, I mean, I think Apple's manufacturing process is pretty proprietary, right? At least at some point, yeah. I remember I, they used to like lease the machines that they would sell to factories to build the things or something, right? Well, maybe just jump in there. Maybe TSMC, right? The, the people that build oh, yeah. the chips, like they are the ones that have the expert manufacturing process that cannot easily be re- replicated. And maybe we'd say Apple has this incredible design lead. It's practically like a public cloud at this point where the barrier to entry oh. is so high for a competitor. You know, you need to show up with tens of billions of dollars to be serious. I mean, you know, Intel's going through that right now, trying to, to enter this. They're not going to get a lot of, you know, ground up competition for three nanometer, you know, chips. That's just not happening. Yeah. And, and, and so there is, there is a type of, successful strategy now as always we need to have the halo effect footnote of like how many thousands of applications of this strategy do we just not hear about that utterly failed but whatever so there, there is a type of successful strategy where you have completely proprietary unique to you totally built up a, a stack that you use right and then so i think i think the question becomes like so when do you reach that analysis versus using even open source stuff that's freely available or, you know, off the shelf things, right? Like, is there some point where like, let's, let's pick the obvious ones that had the money that you're a gigantic, one of the the top 10 banks in the world and something switches in your head and you're like, oh, we should just be writing all of our own stack, including the IDE and the version control system, because that's (laughs) going to allow us to like be so good at software that like we are going to uh, profit from it. I mean, like you know, if if you remember uh, Mick Kirsten's flow book, it's interspersed with these uh, these. Uh, this must have been the best way to do a tax write off of going to buy a BMW or something. But it's interspersed with these anecdotes of him vi- visiting the BMW factory in, in Germany, which seems like this totally bespoke custom factory for building their their cars, right? And so in that case, maybe it's like, well, yeah, they're building cars. But like, you know, if every company, as we learned uh, five or eight years ago, is a software company, uh, then it's sort of like, well, 
in the same way that BMW or T- TSMC or whatever, like builds up their stack and their tool chain in its proprietary, like should you be doing that like Google or is Google like this strange anomaly? And unless you are, have kind of a, uh, not to be all whatever, but a, whatever the, the, the non-legal word for monopolist is, but unless you have like such a stranglehold on the global advertising market that you just like make money without even trying. You, you can say you Facebook know. if you're tired of saying Google. <laughs> that, that's, that's a good question. It's like, does Facebook follow yes. the same path? Yes, they do. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Say it this way, we should say, um, using the more generic business terms, it's like, when is vertical integration uh, yes. better than kind of the uh-huh. traditional horizontal? Because that's kind of what, you know, in the case of Apple, right, they've essentially owned you know, most of all the processes, even though they outsource to T- TSMC, right? They they still design all their own chips. They want to build all their own things. And they, they're they even always trying to build more of more things. Like they want to get rid of the modem. They want to get rid of the Bluetooth controller. So, so in that case, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like a chicken or egg thing. It's like once you kind of have a flywheel rolling and you are very profitable, and maybe this applies back to Google, it's like you do ultimately have to decide like, well, with, with my profits, the profits that I'm not returning to shareholders – where should I invest? And I don't know. In the right. case of Google, well, I don't know if it's so much deliberate or has it just happened over time. It's like they hired a lot of very smart computer science people. They did face unique challenges at scale. So there wasn't an obvious way that they could do it at go all the way back to like 2005 or whatever, right? So they <laughs> did need to solve these problems themselves. And now they've been wa- working on them for two decades and now they do have this great vertical integration of tools. At least, I don't know. I feel like, and maybe this is just a quick aside, like, I don't know if they'll ever do it, but it'd be great for them to do like a YouTube video of like, here's all the great tools we have. Because like everyone leaves and says they're awesome. I would love to see what they would show. Well, Go I ahead, mean, man. so 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 every enterprise is, it, it comes up to that line of, of build versus buy. And in this case, you know, today the answer is build versus buy versus, you know, use something open source and adapt to your needs. And so that line of, of build versus, you know, acquire externally kind of keeps moving as more open source is coming out of larger organizations, like, you know, a Kubernetes, for example. Now nobody has to think about what's our data center operating system. Um, but there's, <clears throat> you know, and and the, the, the judgment they're having to make is, is this something that moves our company f- forward faster you know is investing in this tool and in our homegrown tools a good idea or not in the case of a google or apple clearly that is part of their competitive advantage if you are a bank though writing your own you know container scheduler probably not that useful you know when when there are plenty of of great options out there but i kind of feel and, and then we kind of get into the whole idea of you know you should have a a product manager for your internal platform, right? You know, somebody who's making the judgment calls about what we should, you know, be allowing our developers to use. Mm-hmm. But once you get to like being Google or Facebook, maybe you need to have like a uh, a VC scout for like what could we spin out into a separate company, you know, without hurting our competitive advantage. So Google, anecdotally, I've heard there are people inside of Google who are upset about Kubernetes. You know, they their intention with Kubernetes was we'll get everyone to do things the way we do and we'll capitalize on it because we're better at it than everyone else. And mm-hmm. it turns out everyone else capitalized on it too. Maybe Google doesn't own the entire Kubernetes mindset marketplace, but 
you know, they're kind of like, won't do that again. And, you know, the foot dragon on Istio and Knative kind of lends to that. So maybe they won't show up with like, here's our source control. Here's our IDE killer. Here's our Even with Kubernetes search. Because that's like the best example is like, you know, kind of the hallway conversation you hear is like, well, yeah, Kubernetes is cool and it's, it's really great. But you know what's really great? Borg. You know, Borg at Google's like, X time. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying this show. I don't know. I just like you hear it. So you, even when you even when they roll out the the open source version of something, you often hear. I feel like you often hear it's like, well, actually, that's not the. Oh version yeah, yeah. Uses. And then they'll be like, the version they have is like it actually does this, and it's a lot better. So I think it's just. I mean, I don't well, blame them. I mean, I mean, I mean Google's not here to be you know altruistic for the rest of the industry. They're here to make money, and, and so the question is, you know, someone made the argument that Kubernetes was going to make them money. So, right. and then, uh, uh, you know, if you go far enough back in the decision tree, somebody was like, yeah, yeah that was the whole documentary, me? right? That was like, right. the, the, but, the, uh, the, what was it at the end? That was sort of the, the climax was like, yeah. And they got the approval from the senior vice president. Who's like nameless uh, yeah. to, to open source it. <laughs> but that, that, that's my point is they're not just going to give something away. They're going to mm-hmm. give something away. If they think there's something in it for them, maybe it's recruiting, whatever more than likely they're going to put a, an interface to their internal thing big query and let people just use it without ever seeing the guts that's right but like i mean it still right. kind of comes back to like guess two questions here is like one is like well every like let's just agree like, for the moment for sake of argument was like everyone believes they have these great tools and now they have of course google cloud and it's like it doesn't seem like there's a direct relationship where they're like rolling over the exact tools they have internally to GCP. It's more like inspired by Google tools, right? So like that to myself is an interesting question. Like what like I don't know, are they withholding stuff because they still think it's like there's an advantage to it or is it just or, the, or the code base is it, it's just like hard, right? Um and then two, it's like I don't know, I mean kind of to your original question Cote, it's like I think this is just one of these things where they just encountered these problems early on. They were making so much money that in their case, it made total sense to invest in it. And I guess if you were a bank and you were making an insane amount of money, you would maybe just slightly you'd solve slightly different problems. Like you want to have the greatest money transfer system uh, that you could possibly have, or the greatest trading system, which I think there are a lot of proprietary trading systems that you know you don't hear about. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I think there, there are a lot of those things that are being built out. And that's probably where their money is. But it's not something... It's probably something that when Wall Street traders go to other firms, they probably talk about it like, oh, at this other hedge fund, right? Yeah, we yeah. Have these great tools, but um, you know, we don't have them here. We can't buy I, I think may, maybe that's the thing is, is like, you know, uh, maybe I'm being a little too dismissive of the the strategic value for this 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 custom bespoke tool chain that Google has. And that value being that they can just rapidly, I mean, despite the you know. They may not always do this, but when needed, they can rapidly develop new software and then also diagnose what's wrong with it and scale it and have it work, right? You know, as I my mean, joke always is, that's that's the unspoken user story. User would like software to work. So like, wasn't it's, that, it's a pretty... I was gonna say, wasn't that kind of the, the promise of of, of uh, what what y'all were doing at Pivotal, right? Is Is we'll give you this, tight ecosystem where everything is well integrated. And if you write apps that fit in this, you're going to be able to, to roll them out faster than before. And Absolutely. And you know what? We didn't even get a drone shot in the <laughs> Kubernetes documentary. Not even, <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. Not and even any, on our slide. 
it, it, but and and so maybe the thing like you're saying with Brandon is like in banking, obviously proprietary trading systems that makes sense. There's probably like they spend a lot of money on I don't even know what that means, but on software that derives like how they should place investments and trade. And then another area, I remember talking with several people, I bet like fraud detection is another highly like proprietary, it's worth money building up that kind of doing your own stuff there. And then you could think, you know, I guess fraud is a little bit like this, but you could also imagine that like, however, a bank handles security could also be a huge differentiator. And that's something they wouldn't want to like share. And like, you know, you're not going to go to some security vendor only and just buy some off the shelf security stuff if you're a giant bank. So yeah, and I think as- you know, to, to your banking before we get off it, I was just gonna say like, there is like uh, probably the best example that I know of is like Renaissance Technologies. So started by I think it's Jim Simons, and there's a book if you're really interested, you can read it. The man who solved the market, and so basically these are the people that kind of started quantitative investing. And if you go through and kind of read that, they built this entire proprietary platform to do all this like crazy algorithmic quantitative investing but they're super secretive like they just they just hire like super smart physicists math people like no finance people right and they go in there and i think that's to your point right i think they have this incredible platform for doing that so it's probably just not something that people talk about like they talk about google or maybe they talk about in finance circles so it does exist but um but still i don't know before we go i I still think google i think it would be willing maybe they could just show one thing maybe they could just show the source code show the source code. well they they um, oh, the source navigator. Code, well, uh-huh. yeah, Yegi pointed to places like you can get a taste of it here, and it was the Android code browser, right? But like, yeah, why not? Yeah. I want to see the real thing. Why doesn't someone just 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 actually go into work one day and be like, "I'm going to crank it up. I'm going to show you not like not the one that's. I want to show you the actual real one, and just be like, "Hey, here's what it is." Like, would it be that secret? Would it? Would the uh, would Google search it? instantly cave in i think it would be really interesting to like i actually want to see their tools not like something that's kind of a side project that'd be awesome well you know you know they don't have the source code for this but like there's the there's the those middle chapters in the sre book where they're like hey now we're going to spend three chapters you showing you something you'll never be able to use in fucking detail right (laughs) and it's just like here's the command line tools we use to like diagnose problems and you're just like reading it and you're like so cool <laughs> maybe it is maybe and maybe that's a good weird place. flex yeah this sre i mean and maybe that's why like i don't know we can talk about i guess sre like how successful that is outside but maybe that's why it's so like because it comes from google it's so tied to that it's like once you have these tools right like this role this implementation of this role is just is I, this would be something no one likes to hear but like actually the tools help define the role Right, you know what I mean. It's like, oh, yeah. I yeah. have all of these tools. Then People I can call themselves have a, you know, a VMware engineer. I mean, you know, right. And it's like, so that's maybe what's tools. going on there. And then you know, they just so maybe the book, the book is almost like a head fake. It's like, oh yeah, here's what you should do, but you just we're not going to give you any of the tools, and that's yeah. going to make the job a lot harder. I, I think there's you're going to inspire a bunch of startups. It's kind of it's kind of like you know if you go watch a carpentry video and they're like the first thing you need to do is get a complete carpentry workshop. Now let's let's walk through this and I'm going to show you how to make it. And I've got a bag. I've got the cheapest tool bag with you know the cheapest hammer, the cheapest screwdriver. Uh, And they're like, why why do my cabinets keep coming out crap? Well, did you invest in a complete carpentry workshop and warehouse? Uh, So so let's move on to the, the other thing here, which is like, so is is Git really that bad? And and 
And it, it feels like now I, I, I've tried to learn how to use Git every now and then. And like, you know, I was going to say I get it, but it's just sort of like, yeah, whatever. There's some weird language in this, that and the other. But also I've used the other, the older version control systems. And like, they're also like mysterious and weird and they have their own issues. Like, so really like, isn't it just fine or am I missing something? I mean, so <clears throat> the things that came before it were very much feature, were very much focused on, and when I say the things that came before, I'm talking about like, you know, CVS, RCS, Subversion, were focused yeah. on the idea that you have like a one true tree, right? You know, the one true, this is where everybody agrees is the, the source of our code and we all go and put it back there. And then, you know, get kind of flipped that around and said, well, you know what, actually, Everybody's working on on you know the the tree, and we'll just share branches between our trees, and you know you'll you merge them across. And then GitHub was like, you know, that's a bad idea. Let's have one single tree. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but you know, and, and and you know, there there are obviously other tools out there, you know, that uh, were were built on the idea of distributed trees. Um, but the UX for Git, I mean, so what's happening under the covers is amazingly powerful. You know, the, the idea that you have these, you know, directed acyclic graphs where you can, you know, remerge stuff and move things around and reconnect at different points in time and, and do diffs and bisects. And the problem is, like, it's a hard concept to keep in your head. Mm. And the UX isn't very great. Um, and I, I, you know, I've never I've never seen another tool that, you know, people are like, oh, such and such is better. And then when I see I'm like. It's not better enough, right? The jump from wow. subversion to Git was better enough for large projects with a lot of moving pieces. And what what you need is kind of that, you know. I think you might that's show me. I think you outlined the reasons. It's like it's like okay, yes, it was. It's been better than what was before. But like, it feel it does feel like, and this is where I think. I guess Google has it, but the rest of the industry, you know, we quote unquote don't. It's like, it just feels like we could move this forward. The whole point, things that you just said yeah. is one, the UI is too complicated. Cause even now it's like, there's a, a, you know, you can get a native client for it. You can do stuff on the web and use the command line and they're all kind of different. And it's kind of, it's a little unclear which does which. And sometimes you have to like do something in the command line. Um, so that part. And then I think what you, what you said, Coach A too, it's like, because I feel the same way. It's like, you know, I've learned it several times. Like, I will say that. And it's like, every time I encounter this concept, and I think a lot of people do, it's like, you almost have to retrain yourself versus it being something like, it's intuitive, right? And I can discover and learn the complexity over time. Like, for example, like, just some fictitious source code system was like, well, I just start with the web interface. And I just, it kind of makes it easy for me to like, just do my changes and not mess up everyone else's project. But then over time, right, it's like maybe I can discover some of the more complicated things that are more powerful, just like well, an operating system, well, right? GitHub you know? tries to do that, right? Have you ever seen where it's like, would you like to, you know, uh, rebase and merge this patch? Here's the command line if you'd like to see how this works. And, you're, and you pull it up and you're like, ah, you know, it's like seven steps. And, and then you're like, oh, just yeah. mash the button. Just mash the button. I know, but right? just, just like, I just want to see what you say back to you. It's like. Uh, have you ever watched, you said like, have, have you ever tried like rebase and merge? Right. Oh and yeah. It's like, Every day. Like, but I'm just saying like that whole, just the whole thing, like rebase. It's like, I know what, like wait, that. Wait, do I merge? Like, do I, do I know fast forward? I think to myself, I come up with a concept that's much simpler. W would you like to edit some code and merge it into the project? Like, like that should, you know, versus like, do, would you uh, like, like to cherry commit a commit? 
I mean, that's, I mean, like you just, when you start t- listening to a talk, it's like, it doesn't seem like it has to be this complicated. But and it if is. it were, yeah. if the bar were a little bit lower, right. Then I think maybe you could get more people, more inviting, right. more people right. using it to do other stuff. Right. I, I, maybe, maybe, maybe that, maybe that is, that is a thing, you know, again, I don't know what I'm talking about, blah, blah, blah. But like, it does seem like there's only one way to version software for humans and and that is, that is like you have the version like like uh ios 17 just came out right so what is the current version of ios 17 right <laughs> like like it's just one chunk of code now there's updates and then it becomes 17.1 or 17.2 and like that's it and then and then you could argue that like well we also have a a, a military spec one and so we have iOS 17 military but and it's you, like, yeah. and it's like, yep, you sure do. That's a whole other software product. Right. And like, and, and so it does seem like if you're doing version control, it's like you have the current version and other versions and that's it. And so, and so like kind of to, to what you're saying, Brandon, it's just like, so do I want to put this in the current version or another version? And, right, and but but, but I mean, even do. even with your iOS example, you, they've probably got you know five thousand developers working on iOS, and they're all not committing to master at the same time. They're working off on feature branches, and then you know trying to make sure right, that right, like right. somebody else's patch lands before their patch, and then they have to integrate it. And then some poor, unfortunate release engineer has the the glory of saying that's seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, and and I'm just thinking, like, in 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 response to what you were saying, Matt Ray, that you get some like crazy ass command line thing, and and it's just sort of like, yeah, no one should ever see that. What, whatever's going on there. <laughs> but, I, but but that's the thing about Git is is any crazy thing you need to do, I've never heard of somebody saying I can't do what I need to do with Git. Yeah, it, yeah it's I, eventually I they they have found the arcane phrasing of combination of commands that you know, we'll do the craziest thing they need to do. And and when they get there, they're happy. But the rest of and, us and are so, like, you know, and, and so, I don't so that, that that a benefit of your own proprietary stack like maybe Google has is that they can just be like, let's eliminate these crazy ass scenarios. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Like, all we do is the, the this is the current version and this is the other version. And, right? and, and and so you know maybe that's and the then problem you can with chop Git. that off of your tools. You know that maybe that's the problem with Git is it can do just about anything. And it's not afraid to show too much to new users. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do so, think some of the use cases, they, I mean, you know, you jump in, Matt, and tell me I'm wrong here. But I think this idea of like, you know, maybe just learning the source code, like, you know, being able to navigate between different versions and see what's going on and important changes. Like, again, haven't really seen it, but like, it feels like Google has some magic tools that do that. And it's just like, like you go to a, a GitHub repo and then once, <laughs> okay, you get to the main branch, but then it's like, you want to go back and kind of like, understand like what's going on like to me like good luck like there's a million different branches and maybe there's uh some um some comments or some you know get push like things but then you know if you're doing that a lot there's just a bunch of like garbage messages and it's just it just comes back to like i just feels like the whole a place where the software could do so much more for us sits within source control and i feels like why we've just stopped with Git? Like why we're like that's this? A lot of work. Good enough, that, that's the problem. It seems wrong, right? Because I'm sure there's some golden path demo that GitHub sales engineers give, where they're like, you know, hey, here's you know, here's our 
are, you know, your enterprise application. And it's got, you know, 15 developers working on it. And when you, you know, and here's what this developer's doing. And look, here's a container running their build. And you can click to the UI and see all the tests passing. And you can get the full change logs of, of it as it comes in. It's like, yeah, you can do that with just about anything, but it's a lot of work to get all that set up. And mm. I feel like Google's advantage, or you know, even you know, going back to like a cloud foundry, their advantage is if you can keep people on a happy path, you can give them, you can invest in that path. You yeah, know, if you don't have true. to support, if you don't have to support, you know, edge cases, you can you know make make better guardrails for the happy path and and make it a more pleasant experience. You know, you can pave that thing. You can you know you can you know put speed lines or you know whatever, and it just continues to get better and better. Um, yeah, and what know, we need to do here is ask like Google did this basically for Google Docs. For any complaints about uh, Google Docs, like the idea that you can collaboratively edit and like somehow it just like keeps track of everyone's versions and just works. That is so much far superior than the Microsoft version where like no matter what you do it's like always save your work you're just like never sure if the sharepoint you know office 365 is going to actually retain your changes or not but like somehow it all works in google docs so so maybe i just just a plea to the google people it's like why don't you free us all from git no 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 so, out your uh, source control uh, greatness here, here's the pitch here's the pitch so so you know I, I was saying earlier you know you've got product managers for your internal platforms and they should have this VC scout guy looking at what can they spin out to make money. Mm. The way you make money is you productize what Google's doing as a as a pitch against GitHub and Microsoft because that's mm. Microsoft. It's not GitHub. It's Microsoft. So if you want to you know reengage with developers, if you think there's value in owning the developer toolchain for the future, you know maybe yeah, so you, you right, should like- you should get people off of GitHub. So like, what can Google there do? There you go. To get That's the common enemy. It's actually GitHub, right? Because that has all this. It's become the de facto repository for everything. Exactly. So yeah, so and, Google and, comes and, out. I like it. I'm I'm already feeling it, man. I mean, because it ties into AI. Like we're right there. We're ready. We're ready. Open source. Absolutely. We put a little Bard interface on that. Like I think we need to get this right. I'm telling you, 2024. Absolutely. You know, instead of instead of the SRE book from Google, you have the software developer handbook from Google, and. All it is is you know all those middle chapters that Cote hates are like here's how we do it. I love and it. And then and then but but late 2024, boom! It's it's Google. It We're gonna right? free you from the tyranny of Git. <laughs> don't, don't put me in marketing. Google. That will be so simple. Everyone can write it. I love it. This I can't. I mean, this is such a great idea. We shouldn't even give it away. We may have to cut this part of the podcast. This is such a fantastic <laughs> idea. For Sorry, so, streamers. Yeah, well, go. you, you know this Google is. This is I don't. It needs a better name. I guess we'll have to no, come up with a better name. Google Hub. You, you, you tell me GitHub is a good name. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, Love- you know, th- this is just this is just some lead gen marketing for our software defined talk management consulting firm, uh, and 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 private equity for, uh, consulting firm as well. And I, j- you know, before we move on, I just want to point out something that we glossed over, which is like, I feel like it's called a happy path because you're happy when you're on it. And so if you find yourself not being on the happy path, you should consider why you're on the sad path. Like, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's probably good to, to just stay on that, that uh, predefined thing that, that tends to work out. Just, just like uh, everything we were just talking about. I'm sure in, in the Google world, they're like, why don't you just do things the Google way? And then you'll be happy. <laughs> well, and then everybody who leaves is always like, I miss the Google way. I'm so you know, sad. That's the most exit interview of Google. It's like, I really miss the tools at Google. That was, that's always 100%. 100% former Googlers say that. 
Uh, well, well, speaking of missing things, it seems like, as always, our friends up there in Chicago, the 37 Signals people, are bringing back the, uh, the it looks like maybe, I don't know if they're bringing back the EULA, but they're just bringing up the straight license uh, software. What, and I, I, I want to, you know, this isn't a new pet peeve of mine in the, uh, what are we, in the 2020s? Is, is I think I've expressed this before, but I don't have a name for it yet, but I want to just lay it out is I believe that pre-announcing should just not be done unless there's a reason for it. Now, I understand, like, for example, when you need to pre-announce something because you're going to have developer access because you want your develop, you want the developers in your ecosystem to start developing applications for it, as you see with like Apple and other companies, that's totally cool, right? Like, that's not a problem. But if you're just going to announce like they did that, like, we're going to come up with this great new pricing scheme, uh, check in later, bros. All right, so let's email. So if everyone gets it, so this is our friends over at Thirty Seven Signals and uh, DHH. So it's introducing once again, once all capitalized. Cote, no need to yell it. I think everybody we got some feedback on the (laughs) peg. I didn't even think of that. That's a good idea. Uh, Okay, so it's part of that. Okay, so this is the quick bullet point. So it's this is what they're going to offer: pay one time, own forever. Uh, They write the code, and uh, I guess. We all get to see it. So some type of source code access. Um, oh, they yeah. give us the software um, and we can host it. It's simple and straightforward, not enterprising and bloated and all for one fixed price. So I get it. I understand the pitch. Like it's like it's very straightforward, but I do think this is, I guess, where I, I, I like the fact they've uh, pre-announced it because we can kind of like can do a little bit of uh, speculate speculation and also too like we can see where we're wrong because like to me like there just seems to be certain laws of software it's like okay once you've written the software it almost always requires ongoing maintenance mm-hmm. because you have to fix stuff right and you have to find a way for people to continue to pay you to evolve the software so there seems to only be a there's a finite set of models and that's why i think this is interesting it's like if really it's pay one time then obviously SAS is out Obviously, SaaS, I mean, our um, traditional um, maintenance where you would pay 20% of license costs every year, that's out. So, like, you're only left with you either have to pay a ton, a very high amount the first time so that they have enough funds to continue to support the software, or they kind of do the trick of like every version you have to buy. So, yeah. version one <laughs> is the, just- the, the, the trick. otherwise like all all software before 2010 (laughs) oh no but i would say like this is where like the app store you know all the people like myself included who've ever tried to build an app it's like if you just let someone buy it one time and you're never going to get more money for it ever right then all you can do is like deprecate that and then rename it be like you know version number two so uh, which is is a paid upgrade yeah, yeah, I mean, a paid upgrade, it's like, that's fine. I mean, paid upgrades happen all the time. I'm not against it. But, like, that seems to be the fine. Like, what I just listed there is, I believe, all the models. So, it's like, yep. this is why I kind of like the idea of, like, first guessing. Is they going to introduce something we have not no, thought of? Or new ground? It's going to be, be once version two is a paid upgrade. Is it going to be that simple? So, it's just it's version It's going to be that simple. Like, it has, it, huh. there's no alternative. I, you know, and, and I think I forgot about the, uh, the code part. Maybe, maybe that's the other, the other fun thing is, like, we're not doing open source, but you can see the code. Well, that's right? that's and, fine. You know, source available well, well, is well, it, sure. Is it's, new, it's, right? It's just like a little. Yes, it's just like a little twist on the thing. You know, to use a, a, a well, Brandon had the, the good analogy selling in the app store, but you could also say like you know Adobe Creative Suite. Like, in retrospect, everyone's like, "Huh, 
it would have been it'd be cool to pay like twelve hundred dollars every five to ten years for my core tool chain instead of paying maybe my math's all messed up. Yeah, yeah, like three three hundred to four hundred fifty a year, uh, just ongoing, right? Like, which is sort of like, yes, that does make sense. I I think I think maybe like renting as a land, you know, you don't want to rent. If you know, in the long, the longer you rent, generally the 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 worse off things are. So renting is not cool uh, versus just it. like a one time payment for stuff. So yeah, I mean, going back to just, uh, I mean, I'm just going to call it like licensed software. Then sure, yeah. And and if we change the word uh, maintenance to just support, then yeah, you can pay extra to get support, right? You could you could pay a one. A, once you could pay a fee and then you don't get any bug fixes or uh, you don't get support for it. That's a separate service. I think, I think uh, uh, Brian's comment from the, from the, the chat is is spot on. It's got to be an app purchases. Would you like to buy your feature working? (laughs) Now, now, now now for as much as we're saying, it's like, you know, a, uh, what is it? A a, a nothing burger, like a not news thing. Yeah. I, I guess it is like, what would be interesting is to see if like it it works out and then it spreads to other people, right? Because there is it's there already is bit- there. That's the point. They're just they're slapping a new label on on yeah. on on all the software you purchase in an app store. Right, Everything like, that is version the- five, and then when version six comes out, they're like, yeah. it's a paid upgrade. I was gonna say that's the biggest question here. Like, if it's just paid upgrades, which is just another version of you know maintenance, right? That's all it is. If it's just literally relabeling it. Then I think there is absolutely nothing here, but but because that is such an obvious conclusion, right? And I do think these people are smart. I'm like, I'm like, are like, what are we missing? Like, are we just too close minded? Like, no, they're gonna, they're actually going to like, because I guess what would be the bold move would be like, you pay a hundred dollars and you never pay. But, a but the, the 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 bold right? move here is is they have to insulate themselves from from the cost of maintaining, you know, version one of their one mm. software. They can't let you have it for a hundred. They're going to have to charge 200 because they're going to have to maintain. I agree. It. But that's what I'm saying. Like, because we know this and I believe this is the only analysis you can come to, like they are smart. They must, the only other thing I can stretch my mind to is to be like, you could do it this way. You could treat all uh, sales as essentially lead gen and be like, my targeted addressable market is like massive. So all I need to do, right. is just every year I need to essentially sell X amount. And I'm going to continue to support everyone because I'm just going to, I'm, my sales continue to increase. Right. So it's oh, like, yeah. I, I just sort of package it together because like maybe this year I sell a hundred copies next year's a thousand next year's 10,000. And it's all uh, like rounding. Like a Ponzi scheme. Right. Yeah. And it, it does because it does run out. That's the <laughs> it, point. You're it, like, yeah. um, because all healthy, it, it does run out though. Right. The, well, the we know all healthy, old school, all healthy software businesses. When you met with the finance people, they they would tell you after three years of your enterprise software being out there, you should get fifty percent of your revenue from maintenance and fifty percent from new sales. Right, and then the longer it goes, the more that that it's a little bit more maintenance. And they would always be on you, be like, "Hey, the maintenance isn't coming in. Like your product's not doing well." So. That, that's why I'm like, I don't know. This is, I guess this idea of like defying gravity to me a little bit is like, okay, I'm all for it. Like I'm, I'm great. If there's some way Show to me. like, uh, if there's yeah. some way to levitate or, you know, what was the thing about superconductors or something like, fine, I'm all for it. But like, I literally, my mind is so close. I cannot figure out what yeah. the next missing. I mean, I mean it's, it's gotta be just, just like we're saying, it's just licensed software and you can pay for support and upgrades. Right. And then there's a new version and you got to pay for that. But I think the more important thing is hopefully this means that we can run, Hey, 
in an air gapped environment uh, <laughs> at, at some point, I think is, is uh, what, what we really should be focusing but, on. But we'll be pronouncing hey differently in five years. <laughs> <laughs> there, probably, there probably will also be licensing where, you know, you, AWS can't just run hey as a competitor. <laughs> that, that, that would probably be wise as well. That's, uh, that's going to be the first thing. Now, now that you've brought that up, the first thing I'm going to do when you know some of this one software comes out is just like read through the the eula to see can i just slap this on the marketplace with my own wrapper around it run it as a service <laughs> right and, and then and then uh aws will run hey and they'll call it what i, I think hey <laughs> oh, <okay>. what <laughs> oh my gosh well oh. i i just before before we get to the uh the the back part of the show I just want to touch on, I think there's been a valuable data point in the whole work from home versus work in the office thing, where I think, uh, I, I think, I think, you know, the CEO of Salesforce, the Benioff guy, uh, you know, there's a bunch of stuff said, but I, I'm going to summarize what I think he recently said about work from home. We have no fucking idea which one's good <laughs> or bad. I, I think, I, and, and I think there's, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of credibility to, the CEO of Salesforce saying that like, I don't know, it's good for some people and not good for other people because they spent a, a butt ton of money building out the Salesforce tower in San Francisco. Yeah, And so for them, for, for him, I don't know, maybe he wasn't consulting with his uh, media training coach at the time, which is totally his prerogative. But it seems like, you know, you, to basically be like, oh yeah, those, those millions and millions that we spent, whatever, like, uh, I, I don't know. It seems like uh, maybe, there's some accuracy. I felt there. like this was the most reasonable take. It's like it's sort of evolving back to maybe where it all started. It was like, you know what? This is a case by case decision. Everyone's just going to have to kind of figure it out for each or each kind of like team or small organization within the company. We'll just have to figure out what makes sense. Like I feel like that's kind of where we started pre pandemic, and I think that's kind of where we're going to end up. Uh-huh. And, and, and emails. It it also like his exact quote, well not exact quote, but one of his quotes was, "I am a remote worker. I've always been a remote worker my whole life. I don't work well in an office. It just doesn't work with my personality." Now, <laughs> he is famously he was like, wasn't he like one of the, if not one, the top salesperson at Oracle, right? So he's a salesperson yeah. basically. And it's something else I've been rolling around my head a lot is like, at a lot of companies, executives spend a lot of their time traveling. So they're not really even in the office that, that much, right? And so it does seem like if a high-level executive is saying you should come into the office, maybe they should come into the office and, and like stay in there. And, you know, my, my other snarky reply is like, I'd be happy to come into the office if you actually gave me an office when I got there instead <laughs> of just like some desk. That would a be desk. fantastic. Like there's nothing to come to when I go to the office. It's just like, whatever the fuck a flex work environment is where I've got to reserve a desk, which seems. Well, you got to give Benny off quote. Like I had a, I had a triple check that that quote wasn't made up because I was like, this seems so contradictory to what uh, has already been said by him. Uh, but I guess he said it. So I yeah, guess so, so honest. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like, I don't know, like good honesty. It's crazy. Yeah. We'll have to ask uh, Barton George, if there's something in the, uh, the, the Hawaii water supply that brings out <laughs> honesty and concision. <laughs> It, there must be a Hawaiian word for that, that, that we don't know. Well, speaking of Hawaiian words that we don't know, Brandon, do we have any bureaucracy this episode? Uh, just a couple of things. I wanted to uh, thank Michael who uh, wrote in, I sent him some stickers. He's in Sweden and I also sent some stickers to hopefully I'm saying it's right. Borco in uh, Canada. So if you would like a sticker, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at software And I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. 
And I also wanted to point out, I think last week I uh, recommended, I think, uh, Just One Mile, which was about this ultra marathon. So Jan recommends this uh, Rich Roll interview. It's about uh, mindset secrets from the world's best ultra yeah. runner. His name, I think, Courtney DeWalter. So if you want to hear more uh, about, and I did listen to the episode, so if you want to hear about ultra running and how these people do it, you can check that out. So I appreciate Jan sending in the recommendation. Well, there's a lot of conferences coming up. Uh, some some interesting ones I'll be traveling out. But if you want to get a list of the ones we think are great, you should go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 433, where you can also join the Slack channel uh, and and all of those things. Lots of good discussion there. Now, Brandon, what do you have to recommend this episode? My recommendation, so it's kind of a follow-up. So uh, this past couple of weeks have been the rollout of uh, the NFL. So that's uh, American football for all the international listeners. So uh, I switched over to YouTube TV. I was a little worried about it in the NFL Sunday ticket. I will say this though, uh, whatever the YouTube team did uh, to get ready, they did it all perfectly. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, YouTube TV has been great. And the rollout of the NFL Sunday ticket has been great. And a couple of things that like jumped out at me is sort of like, once you kind of free yourself from traditional cables, like one, the idea that like numbered channels is just a completely made up thing. Like when you don't need it, when you just sort of like, they just give you a grid of all the games. You just like press on it. I mean, again, it's obvious, but it was uh, super nice. Uh, they have a nice live grid though. If you're trying to make the transition for maybe people that really like the cable interface. So you can, you can kind of give that to people, but it's also just sort of a way to be like, Oh, I don't need to use this stupid live grid. I can just uh, uh, search what I want. And then of course, if you're a big uh, uh, football fan or any type of uh someone likes to watch multiple things at once. They have this idea of multi-box. They basically will just take all the games that are playing simultaneously and they'll put them in uh, a multi-box. So you can watch four or five simultaneously and in true software fashion. So like, for example, on Sundays, there'll be eight games that are being uh, played simultaneously. They will give you every combination of four games. So it's Mm -hmm. like the ultimate software solution. It's like, no, 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 you don't need to pick it. I'll just give you every combination. You just pick the combination of games that you want. So really- Great job by YouTube. Uh, I'm really impressed by them. Um, I'm all bought in. And if you want to hear more about all of this, you should listen to uh, the guys over at Sharp Tech. That's like Ben Thompson. Uh, and they've, got, they've done a lot of uh, discussion about the strategy and kind of where YouTube is going. And I'm, I'm suddenly like, I think, I think the cable bundle may be unbundled and rebundled by YouTube when it's all said. <laughs> yeah. That's I, I, think, I, think, I think over the last year, I've, I've learned more about the NBA and the NFL than I've ever known just by listening to the Sharp Tech podcast. As you said, <laughs> absolutely should. It's been fantastic. I love now, it. Now, do, they, do they have like a schizophrenia version where you can have all the audio from all the things at the same time? That would probably be called Red Zone. Red Zone version is where they just switch the games continuously to who's about to score. So if you're like, if you look down for one second. Well, that's the ADHD version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. ADHD. I I want to have four games simulcast Um, audio at the same time. No, it's fantastic. You just slide around for the audio. I wonder if they could do that. Maybe for you, Matt Ray, they could put it in. But YouTube, again, good job. Absolutely. Good job. You know, I, I have to say, and uh, Matt Ray, you've 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 been a, you've said a lot of things like we have made fun of things Google has killed off. I think we have made fun of this a lot, but man, did they get this thing right? So so for for please please don't kill off the NFL Sunday ticket. That's oh, my only please. You know, it's so Google, I'll forgive you for Google Reader if you just don't mess up this. This is you've done a good job. Just keep it like it is. Fantastic. How about yourself, Matt Ray? What do you have to recommend? Well, I don't have nearly the passion for my recommendation Brandon does, <laughs> but I have a travel pro tip here. Um, I I was uh, flying back from the U.S. Uh, over the weekend, and uh, my flight, my connecting flight 
I was running late. I was going to miss my flight back to Sydney. And um, I was sitting on this American flight and I realized, wait a second, they've got, uh, you know, American Airlines Wi-Fi so I could talk to the American Airlines website. I got on Mm. with chat and I was able to get uh, them to change my flight while I was on my flight. Oh, that's uh, clever. Which I'd never kind of occurred to me. So, you know, I still, my, my, my bag still didn't make it uh, on the, on the plane, but, uh, I was able to, you know, run across, uh, LAX and, and get a different connection, you know, the last flight of the night back to Sydney. Um, so, uh, that's, that's my pick pro tip advice is don't forget about that. Uh, the, the customer service chat, ah, uh, cause usually that's, it's pretty pointless. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, huh. That is a good um, tip. Well, well, my recommendation is a uh, book by this guy, Russell Davies. He's part of the, uh, I don't know, let's say the, the mid two thousands, United Kingdom interesting web crew. There, there's a bunch of them scurrying around that uh, you might see here and there. And it's a, it's a new book he has called Do Interesting. And it's all about like, if you want to, uh, the title's pretty descriptive. It, it, he's, I think his whole life philosophy is like, you should be interested in and also participate in creating stuff that's interesting. And mm-hmm. so he's got kind of like, it's kind of like a life philosophy uh, of going through doing that. And even some tools of how to do it and and think through it. Now, People who have been doing interesting stuff, obviously like us with the podcast that this has been around on the web, you'll kind of read through it and be like, uh-huh, yeah, sounds good. Tell me something I don't know. But, <laughs> but his, uh, his style of presenting it and stuff, I think is, it's, uh, it's good enough that it's kind of worth uh, reading through. Plus, he's got some interesting examples of it. I just want to say it does fall into the trap that I really don't like in books like this, which is like, there'll be a whole chapter and it's like, I asked Susan about this. And then the whole rest of the chapter is Susan's comments on it. And mm. it's just like, mm, good old that's Susan. a little bit of cheating, but whatever. It's still good. Do Interesting by Russell Davis. Speaking of doing interesting, you've done something very interesting, which is listen to a full episode of Software Defined Talk. It would be even more interesting if you scrubbed this part of the audio and you're still listening to it. Either way, <laughs> you win interesting bingo. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, you can go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 433 you should subscribe to it and as i like to recommend anytime you have access to a device that can subscribe to a podcast whether it's yours the one in an airport or maybe someone dropped it down their uh their seat on an airplane and you're retrieving it you should subscribe to this podcast by just looking up software defined talk and smash that subscribe button bye 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 Sadly, Cote, uh, the pre-show that uh, included topics such as anarchy and uh, uh, oats. What was it? Cereal? The oat cereal? Um, That was uh, not uh, streamed, so we're safe. We probably will not be kicked off YouTube. I I might have to switch back to my old mic.